you have your Bible, uh, make sure you have your Bible in hand. Uh, your Bible will be uh, opening up and we'll be reading the scripture. will be out of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. And we will also be taking chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Again, uh, we'll be picking back up here. Now, a couple of notes here. If you're joining us in this series, and we, again, we just started this new series last week. Uh, it's all about discipleship, right? It's about sharing the gospel for those to, get, to be saved and to have a, start a relationship with Jesus. But that's not the only thing. We're called to disciple others up. And so this series is about discipleship. So yes, we talked about the first step last week about the discipleship journey. And the first step is getting saved. And that's why it was all very foundational in the, in the elements of what it meant to be, what it looked like when you were a non-believer, not saved, not regenerated, what your life looked like. And versus what you would look like or will eventually look like and have become as a child of God. So your, your whole nature's changed. Your whole relationship with God has changed. Everything it changes in your life when you take that first step. And we talked about that last week. And I encourage you to go back and, and watch that and, uh, and, 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 and catch that first teaching. Because now we take the second step or the next part of the journey and the fact that this is so important to understand that once you're saved, now the work begins. He started, God says he's going to start a new work in you and now the work begins to actually transform you um, and you have to, if you have your part in that transformation because you must read the word of God, you must study the word of God, you must digest the word of God and you need to be obedient to the word of God because as you read the word of God, your mind is transformed, your lives is transformed and you will mature as a Christian. Right now, if you're a brand new believer, you just gave your life to Christ last week, for instance, then you're just a week into as a brand new baby Christian and you must grow. And this is what this discipleship journey series is about. It's going to take us from the very beginning when you get saved and each element of the series that we're teaching will take you deeper and deeper into so to help you in your walk with the Lord so you will mature uh, through this. But you must do that first step. And if you remember the key verse we read, it was out of Ephesians. And I'll just take this one piece out of Ephesians uh, 2. Uh, it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not based on yourselves. It's not what you've done or can do or any works you can do. It is a gift of God that is why you were saved. And you received by choice, you received that free gift of salvation from your God. And it's not because of any works you've done. It's not because you did anything to earn it or do anything of that. Because if you did, then you would boast about it. And that's just pride. And pride will not help you at all all so uh so it's really a really cool moment when god is received offering that from you and you and i had that choice because of what jesus did on the cross and giving us making us a way for us now tonight we're going to take the second part and we're going to continue this part two about biblical change that needs to take place or i call biblical uh uh you know the um uh, uh Create, de developing this biblical pattern that must be in your life as a brand new believer. Now, this pertains to you if you've been a believer for a long time. You should have already established a biblical pattern in your life. 
And if you have not built that biblical pattern in your life, then you are not a growing, mature Christian. And I've met many, and you have as well, who say, I've been a Christian for 30, 40 years, but they've never developed a biblical pattern. They've developed a religious pattern. They've developed a, um, a, uh, a spiritual pattern. But they have not built a biblical pattern of their lives. So their lives do not reflect a biblical born-again believer because it, their life doesn't reflect it in such. They've got a lot of religious down, religiosity. We call it legalism. We got that all patterned right down. And they can quote you right and left about all those things you do or not do. And the law, and you might even know the scripture, but you do not apply it rightly in regards to based on uh, of understanding of what it is in context of the scriptures because you've never read the scriptures. You never study the scriptures and apply it in understanding from a grace perspective how God sees that. And so we must develop that, and that's why we're doing these series. So we're here today in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to do two sections in chapter 2 and 3, and that will be our, uh, the foundation of platform I will be taking in regards to our discussion uh, this evening on some very key facts for you to take note of. So let's start here, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Um, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do you to walk in him? I can tell you right now, if you look at the scriptures, is that childlike heart? It's walking in simplicity. <laughs> walk very simply with the Lord here. It's not complex. We make it complex because we get bogged down into all of miry of things, of details of, uh, but just walk simply with your Lord and be rooted, verse seven, and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Hence why you're doing the Bible study tonight. That's why you come at Wednesday night and you're watching and listening because you want to be taught. You want to grow. And verse 7, because you want to be rooted in your faith. You want to be built up. You don't want to be just rooted. You want to have some growth, maturity, fruit that's going to bear from your life. And you have to have to be built up. You have to be strengthened on this and established because you've been taught and then you'll be abounding in it. You'll be, there'll just be this, this force of abounding. It means a movement of, 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 of results that will be coming from your life with thanksgiving. You'll be one of the most thankful person on this earth. Because you realize what God is doing in and through and what he has done and complete work on the cross. And he is faithful to complete this work into you when and all the way to the point when you see Jesus in heaven. And if you don't understand that, that that journey is what you're on and continuing, you're going to grow and it will be abounding. If you're not there yet, it's okay. Today's a new day. You can start fresh and you can now be on this journey. Now you're going to mature. That's why you're watching and uh, watching the teaching as we speak. In verse 8, he gives us a warning here. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. So there's a warning for us as we are on this journey. And as you're taking this journey and you're going down the road one step at a time, there are going to be people who are going to try to distract you with man's philosophy. Worldly religion philosophy is not biblically based. It's man-based. 
It's made up as they go because they want to sell their books or they want you to be part of their little special little club. But you've got to be careful of those cults. You have to be careful of the empty, these philosophies of men and empty deceits that are going to be thrown your way all the time to distract you. According to the tradition of men. Tradition. Tradition. You know, you have to be very careful of that because it's, it's sometimes traditional makes you, makes you feel warm and fuzzy. It's just like my grandmother did. Or just like my grandfather did. Or like my parents did. Oh, it just feels so traditional. I love traditions. But you realize those traditions may completely go against the scriptures. And you have to be very careful of that. To not sway away from the biblical to hold on to the tradition that something was presented to you. And you didn't understand it at the time. And so it, was, it just seemed so natural. But now you know the scripture... You now know that's not right, and you have to let that have less influence of you so that you can allow that, that to sway you from a biblical truth. So it says tradition of men according to the basic principles of this world. And you can see where the, some of these traditions, these empty deceits, these, these through these philosophies of men, they're all coming from these basic principles of the world and the world system and the satanic ways that, that can, Satan can work through this world to, to bring about things that people learn and through different mechanisms of schooling and college and, 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 and media and all you name it, you all, you all know it. But it gets permeated in your minds because it's these basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Not according to the biblical teaching that Christ has established for us. He's the word. Why would you go away from Christ and go to anyone or anything else that they offer you? That's foolishness. And you wonder why you struggle in your walk and you're not maturing in your walk with the Lord because we get, we, get, we get trapped in these things and it's so subtle that the world just brings in their basic principles and, and we just start holding on to them because you read it and it came from someone and you read it in a book and, and everyone's reading the same book and no, put the book away. The book is not, it may say Christianity on it, but it's not. And stop sharing it. <laughs> stop sharing it with other your sisters because you love them you want to share them they're the best buck you ever had and you didn't even check to see if it even lines up with the scriptures come on I know that can happen to immature Christians who are not been taught the word of God but I know you my brothers and sisters if you've been in the word you know and you can pick it up very quickly when you read some of these books and you go no 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 that's not that's not jiggy not to get at all, no touchy, and we're not going to share that book. Matter of fact, we're going to get rid of it, that book completely. Yes, you, you wasted your 10 bucks, your 15 bucks, but get rid of the book because it's not good. Why? Because it's just philosophy, empty deceit, and traditions of men, and basic principles of the world that's just recapped, you know, and, and has this veneer of Christianity on it, and you think it's good. No, it's not. Okay, off the soapbox. Um, and the next one here in verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So everything that if God has to offer you completely, the fullness of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all right there. This is the truth we want to hold on to. And you are complete in him 
Who is the head of all principality and power? Meaning they're over all principality and power. Not just dark principality and power, but even good principality and power. Do you know that? Principality and power are both dark and light here, right? We have, we have, we have good angels and we have fallen angels, right? So he's over everything. He's in control. That's why we follow Jesus here. Now jump over to chapter 3, verse 12, and let's pick up with the therefore. And I know some of you, I know I, right now you're scanning very quickly, verses 11 all the way through to the very beginning of the 3, and say, okay, what is he skipping here? He's skipping, he never skips. Well, you can go back there and read that. It's all about legalism. We, I just touched on that. You want more detail? Stay away from the legalism, right? And then the first part of chapter 3 is all about uh, not being cardinal Christian. Don't be a Christian in name only and act like and you're living like the world. So everything was, I've given you, I didn't give you the details, are right there in those verse, chapter 2, verse 11, all the way through chapter 3, verse 11. You can go read that on your own as you're reading pleasure tonight. But for time's sake, I'm just going to go right in here and then get into the details. So here, therefore, in verse 12, as the elect of God, as you as a child of God, you have you've accepted the, the, the free gift of salvation. You're, you're born again, regenerated. You are a new creation. You have completely been saved and, and by faith. You are now the elect of God, holy and beloved. Put on these following godly virtues. Are you ready? Do you notice that? It, the scripture says you must put on. That means you have, to, you have responsibility here. You need to practice this. You need to put it on. And that is what? Tender mercies. You must put them on daily. Kindness, you must put them on daily. Humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you so you also must what? Think about it. It depends. It depends on the circumstances. It depends on what my feelings and my mood is for the day. You must do. You must do. It's pretty simple, straightforward, is it not? Not easy to do. But if you do it in your own flesh, you cannot do it. But if you do it in spirit and truth, God gives you the power to do it because he's told you that you must do it. That means he's going to give you the strength and abilities and the ability, he will equip you with the ability to do and put on those virtues if you trust in him. What else? Verse 14. But above all of these, these godly virtues, which were really cool, right? These are very good ones. You've been trying to teach them as your parents. You've been trying to teach your children these things. But notice that above all these things put on love, the fruit of the Spirit. It's a, a, a Spirit that will bear on, will bear because he's going to say put on love, which is the bond of perfection. That's what unites the perfection. That's the unity. That's the glue of, of his love for one another. But we have to put it on. He's offering it to you. He wants you to have it. He's going to bear it in your life. But you have to choose to put it on. I know some of you are going to say, well, it's a fruit and it just automatically happens. But you can sit there and, and not take uh, what God has given you and waste it. You can sit there and say, I know I need to have a love for this. I know this person. I know that God is telling me to love. I know that's the right thing, but I don't want to do it today. 
I'm not going to take this love for my life that God has given me and allow them to pluck that love for my life for their sake. Because remember, the fruit of the Spirit is not for us. The fruit of the Spirit is for those around us to partake of our lives that God is bearing in our life. And you sit there and say, oh, I'm living my life. I'm a Christian. And someone says, I, want to, I need some of that love. I want to be with you. And like, you pull your branch back. And I, don't, yeah, I don't know if I want anything to do with you. That's not putting it on. That's not what God's called us to do. Verse 15, and let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God, let God rule. Remember, God is our peace. He's the peace of, peace of God, right? He's, he's, that's who he is. And how we have peace is because we have him. If you don't have him eternally, if he's not dwelling within you, then you don't have God's peace. So that's why he says right there, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be what? Thankful. Let the Holy Spirit empire your life. Let it rule you. Let it strike. Say, you're in. You're out. Let him direct your life and how you're going to live your life. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Because God wants to do that. And let the word, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So the word of Christ could dwell in you, but it might not dwell in you richly in all wisdom because you don't allow it. Because you quench the Holy Spirit doing the work that he wants to do in your life since you've been born again. You can quench the Spirit of God in your life that it's trying to help you to mature and grow and bear fruit, but you don't want to let go of the world. You don't want to let go of the traditions. You don't want to get, get, let go of the, that philosophy class that you took. And you spend money on it. And so you have to be really mindful here to allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Do you see in verse 15 at the very end, would you be thankful? Do you see in verse 16 at the very end of that verse there in 16? With grace in your hearts, that means to be a gratitude, to be again thankful in your hearts to the Lord. And we see it again in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving what? Thanks to God the Father through him. Again, you're thankful, thankful, gratitude, thankful, thankful, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Do we, do we have that kind of a heart here? And everything we do, is it with the right attitude of the fact that we're doing this for our Lord, our Savior, the one who saved us and, and set us free? Step, first step is to be saved. The next following steps of your journey is about maturing and how and what you need to do with that salvation. What, that born again experience, what do you do with it? It's not just for you. And that's where we come up to this biblical change that needs to take place. Because after you received salvation by God's grace through the Lord Jesus Christ... 
we have to understand that our next two things that God has asked us to do and the next couple of steps we need to do is we must look at how we're going to grow in Christ, but also that we're mature or fit to be able to help others. Those are the next two steps. We must look at that and we must establish a biblical pattern in our life. After you get saved, you must establish that. There should be no question. If you're a mature Christian, there is a pattern in your life that lines up with the scriptures. And it's every aspect of your life. It's not just only when you're at church or only when you're around your Christian friends, but is that even in the most heathen workplace? You have to have a biblical pattern of your life. You are to be what? We know the scripture. We read it in Colossians chapter 2. You are to be rooted, built up, established in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are not to be conformed to this world. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We, we, we cannot be conformed and look like the world. And you can't justify it and rationalize and say, I need to look like the world so that they'll accept me so that then I can share the gospel. That's not how it works. Lots of churches are trying it. Let's look like the culture, act like the culture, even use the words like the culture because then they'll accept us and we'll be able to then We'll slip in the gospel right there. It, it's, show me that in the scripture. It says, build a pattern of, in your life of biblical truths, and you must be rooted and built up and established in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not rooted and built up and established in the culture of this worldly, this dark world. And then once you've done that, we must practice God's word to grow into maturity. Once you're starting to read the Word of God and you've got a pattern of life and you're starting to learn and you're starting to be obedient to the Word of God, you must practice. You must practice daily, consistently, in every situation and circumstance. You must, and again, I'm not telling you you're going to be perfect. People have been walking for years and still they fall short on sometimes of the pattern. They do not check with the word of God before they make a decision. Or the way their action, their response does not line up with the scriptures. And it's not until all of a sudden, boom, they do it. Oh, oh, how could I have been so foolish to even think that in for a minute? How could I have listened to that and actually thought that would be true? I shouldn't have read it. I shouldn't have watched it. Whatever it may be. Let's try to creep into your life. But we must practice God's word for you to grow in maturity. So when the people ask, why am I don't feel like I'm maturing? Because you're not practicing the word of God. It's as simple as can be. You must practice. That means you have to do work. That means you have to read the Word of God. You have to meditate on the Word of God. You need to think about it. You need to ask people questions to make sure you have clarity of what the Word of God says in those circumstances that you're trying to, to deal with. And you go back and over and over and you trust in the fact that the Holy Spirit that lives within you is going to flush out the old <laughs> that you're not going to want to put the old clothes back on and you want to put on the new clothes every day constantly throughout the day so you're not getting that nice, worn-out, comfy shirt you've been wearing since high school, you know. 
got to get rid of them, right? Holes in them and all. you got to get rid of them. God is giving you new stuff. And so what you have to do is you have to think this through. Because, you know, it's like Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 through 27. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus says. Are you listening? Anytime you hear what I'm telling you and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his home or his house on the rock. And yes, the rain descended. Oh, I wish we had rain around here in the North Country. But the rain descended. So you have to kind of use your imagination because you haven't seen rain in days, right? Weeks. So the rain is descending and the flood will come. And the flood did came. And the winds blew and beat on that house that was built. And what happened? And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That's your life. You're on Christ, and Christ is our solid rock we stand on. And when the weather and the the, the floods and other things come and circumstances in our life, are we going to find, be found, our house being built on the rock? If not, you know the continuing the scriptures because the one who built it on sand, that storm devastated them. Took out their home. Took out their livelihood. Took out whatever it may be. But it's their home. It's their life that that, that scripture is referring to. And remember, <laughs> the sad part is, if it took out you, it took out probably other people in your household as well. Because sin never just affects you. Foolishness never just affects you. Living the world and the patterns of the world and, and, and never affects just you. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by what? By the inspiration of God. And it is profitable. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for that correction that needs to take place, for instructions of righteousness, that the man of God, the woman of God, may be a complete, thoroughly equipped in every good work that God has called them to do for him. That's beautiful words, but it's absolutely true. So we must establish a a biblical pattern in our lives. And the next step in our journey is it's not just about you. It's just not about your salvation. Yes, you're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. And then you want to be, as you're living this life and this journey here in this world, waiting to go home to be with your Savior, with your Father in heaven, you've got to mature, you need to grow, and you need to be established and rooted and solidly planted on some rocks so when circumstances and things going on in this world, you're solid. You know exactly who your relationship is, your number one relationship, and no one else or nothing else is going to divert you from that attention. But it's not just about you. God has called you and me to then what? Help others. He's called you to help others. 
Because now you have truth. You have something in your life to actually a benefit that's profitable that called the word of God to help someone else hear the things of God so that they too can hear the voice of Jesus and surrender their lives because of the good news that they have that Jesus paid for the penalty of their sin. And so God wants to do a work in your life to help others. And we must practice God's word and prepare and then to do to help others. And what stops us? I think that probably the two biggest things that stop us from being able to help someone else is two things. We're, we see it in Matthew 7. We have a tendency when we get saved and to come out of the old life and to see clearly what we used to be like. We forget where we come from and we focus on where we have and what we have. And somehow we forget where we come from. And what happens is when we go out to help someone else, we judge people inappropriately. Now, I say that very delicately about judging because so quickly in the world today is, is like, don't judge me, brother. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. You have all these kinds of these, these, these shield techniques and deflections to try to keep you from sharing the word of God with someone. As a non-believer, like, I don't understand what you're talking about. You're judging me. I thought you guys were Christian. You're not supposed to judge man. And then you're talking to another believer who is a believer or maybe a carnal believer or maybe a believer only in name and only, and they're the, really the fast ones that tell you don't judge. But the very thing we need to do is, as we practice in God's word and we're doing that and it begins, we can have a tendency to start judging others versus judging ourselves first. Remember, Scripture talks about we must examine ourselves daily, don't we? Lord, if you find any wicked way in me, reveal that to me because I want to repent of it. I want to change that. I want to know what the truth is. I did not know that. I just read that. I need to change that in my life. That's, and that's good. God is doing a great work in your life. Because the Holy Spirit is bringing to light to you what needs you need to judge yourself of how you're living according to a biblical pattern. And if you're not living according to the word of God, then you have to change that. And once you realize and you're judging yourself, then you will remove the sinful obstructions from your own life that we see. Go back and read Matthew 7. I think it's the first five verses. Go back and read that. Go back in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 28 through 31. And when you're judging yourself and not quickly trying to judge others, if you're judging yourselves and removing the sin, the obstacles, the things, the barriers in your life allowing you to grow, once that pattern, that biblical pattern is happening, you're going to see transformation, a change in your life and your attitude and everything else in pattern, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you respond. And then you have then the ability to then the privilege and the responsibility of restoring others. That you have the ability to stand in front of someone and say you can have victory over that sin. You can change. Your life does not have to be like that that's been going on from generation to generation to generation. 
I know your last name, but that doesn't define you. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are a child of God and you, her name has been changed. We don't know that name yet, do we? We don't know that name until we get to heaven. But oh, what's what that name going to be? I think mine's going to be Justice. I, that's my favorite name in the Bible. I don't know why, but I'm hoping, you know, I just love that name. Could be a Paul. Could be a Timothy. Well, it could be a, a word that we have never, I've never heard before. It won't matter to me because I know it's going to be good because our God only gives good things. Right? Are you tracking, right? Are we agree with that? I can't see nodding of heads, but I, I, I'm assuming you're nodding your head back home. But we have a privilege and a responsibility of restoring others to this victorious living that God gives us. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, you who are mature, restore such a one in the spirit of knocking him over the head? No, it's temptation on that. But no, in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, right? Consider like how you used to live, right? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted to go back to the old life and do that yourself. But we're to bear one another's what? Burdens, this scripture say here in Galatians. Bearing the burdens of another person. Because if anyone thinks himself to be something, I love this, if someone thinks, how does it go? I'm going to draw a blank here. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, right? He's what? Deceived himself. So, it, it, when you read the scripture, it's, it's really, really straightforward, right? But the, let each one examine himself and his own work and how what you're doing for God, you're to examine that. Do you need to look at it? And, and then rejoice in what God is doing and how he's transferring and doing it. And the fact that rejoice in, uh, in, in, in the fact that, uh, that you're able to help another person. That they're no longer doing what they were doing. That you were able to be used by God. So that's why it's so important. We, we, we bear each his own load. But we also are able to go out and help another person as well. And I just think it's just, it's just incredible and a blessing it is. And, and a privilege to be able to help someone else. Especially when they're in darkness and they have no idea there's another way to live. A biblical pattern life to live. But... That change has to take place in our life. That biblical change has to take place. It's a discipleship. We must walk with God. We must fo keep following our Savior and allow the Word of God to transform us and, and help us because we have to go through the biblical change. And yes, we must learn the Word of God. We must begin to, to recognize that we're, the way our thinking was, especially if you're older and you got saved, there's so many years of junk that was taught in different systems that you have to change and it takes time to do that those first six months to a year as a christian can be quite rough in trying to transition from in developing new patterns in your life 
But the beautiful thing is, is that our God has given us everything that we need for this change. He hasn't left anything out for us to be able to change. To have this godly, this, this godly character and virtues that he wants us to develop in our life. God has given everything you need to make the change in your life. And every change that you make will please him. And that's what we want to do. We want to please our Heavenly Father. And when that does that happen, what happens to our lives? We are so blessed. I love it. Sometimes people will say, you're so blessed. First of all, let's define blessing, right? What does that mean by that, right? But blessing in general, well, I, I expect blessings because why? I, div- I really want to practice. I want to know the Word of God. I want to apply the Word of God. I want to seek Him with all my heart. I want Him just to do whatever He wants. I want to please my Heavenly Father. And I know the results of the Scripture says you, there's a blessing. There's a, there's a spout of blessing that just pours down upon your life. And as you continue, and as I continue to obey God's word, that biblical change into maturity as a Christian will take place. And it will, again, it will occur in your life until you and I see Jesus face to face. (laughs) I can't wait. Can't you wait? I can't wait. I'm ready for sure of what the Lord wants to do in and through uh, our lives. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we'll kind of last few minutes here. Let me give you some things to ponder on. I'll try to go as quickly as I can on some of these truths. What is our assurance on what is being said in the scripture. What am I, I'm, everything I'm saying is right now has is, is been very, very much everything I can line out and, and biblically base scripturally and everything. I've given you some scripture, but for time I can't give you all the references. But how do we have that assurance from God's perspective of what is being shared with us? The fact that we can mature in Christ. That we can have a different view of ourselves that we used to be versus the new us that is in Christ. How do we have that assurance that that maturity, that transformation can take place? Because I can tell you, the many people I try to help, many times they get in their own way in maturity because they don't believe they'll ever could get rid of that drug or get rid of that whatever, that, that, that challenge in their life, whatever that image of yourself of what you've been established for so many years you don't really believe you can change so how do you get that assurance how do you really know that others can change because sometimes people say well i know i can change but i'm have you seen that guy i think that guy's never going to change you've never met my brother have you you never met my sister have you never met my parents have you never when those kind of conversations come up that tells you that you're not mature enough to see that God's assurance can change anyone's life if they, they get they're born again. Because we have to remember, you are declared righteous through Jesus Christ. And it's based on faith, and that not of your works, is it? And you are no longer under the judgment of God's wrath. And you must understand that. And because of that, you are 
um, at peace with God now. You're no longer an enemy of God. You're a child of God. You're now in the peace of God. And because of that, you have been reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. You've been reconciled to your father through the Jesus Christ because of what he's done. And we can completely stand totally justified before our almighty God. You've been justified because Jesus has done that for you. And so you and I are no longer separated from God. We're no longer strangers of God. We're actually in God's family. This is truth, and it's solid. It's settled. It's not. If you question that, then you have to understand what I'm telling you so you understand and believe this. Because go back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, and verses 19 and 20. Read it for yourself that you're no longer a stranger and separated from God. You're in the family of God. You've been adopted into his family. You're a joint heir with Christ. And oh, how beautiful you're a recipient of his, his, um, his love, his, his protective, caring arms forever. Forever. Not when you get to heaven, but now, into eternity. That's why in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Do you know that truth? No one cares. <laughs> 1 Peter, hello, 1 Peter 5, 7. You want to go back and read it again? Meditate on that for a while? And now then tell me if you're going to say that again. You've been given the gift of eternal life. What other gift would you and I want, ever, ever want? We've been given the gift of eternal life. Do you understand this? If you don't, you need to meditate on that truth. Ponder on that truth. John 10, 28. And the fact that he's going to continue to do this, this work in you and I until we are in his presence is amazing. And we can have confidence in this. As you read the scriptures, you can have such confidence in his truth. It's right in front of us because as a child of God, you are and I am a new creation regardless of how you feel. You do not have to choose to be identified or continue to think you're enslaved to the sin that he's freed you from. Why would you continue to repeat things in your mind of the past when it's already been wiped clean as far as the east is from the west? Why would you keep bringing up the past? Because you're a slave of his righteousness, not sin. You've been set free to serve the Lord and serve others, not serve Satan and of this world. You must get that solidly in your step as you go through your discipleship journey of your life because if you don't hold on to God's promises, he will, and that he enabled you to handle any problem that comes into your life. Did you know that? Any problem, any circumstance, regardless, he is able to work in and through your life to be able to handle any problem that you're facing today. 
You don't have to be feeling defeated. Because God is not going to let you be defeated. If you will trust him. Because he will actively work in every single difficult situation and turn it into good for those who love Jesus, who loves Christ, right? Every bad situation he'll turn into good for those who love him. That promise is not for non-believers. That, that promise is for you as a believer. And that's why you're enabled and I'm able to see see. And hold on to God through every trial and tribulation and, and problem opportunities that come your way because your heavenly loving Father allowed it to come into your life and He uses that for your spiritual growth. I love James. <laughs> James, go back and read verses 2 through 4 about building patience <laughs> and doing your work and you're allowing tri tribulation persecution coming into your life to, to get you to change and mold and shape you. And how do you do that? It's not going to be on your own resources. It can only be through God's resources. Why? Because God is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Ask Paul with the thorn. He could, God could have healed him and removed that from him. But God said, no, my grace is sufficient. I've allowed it, and it's going to be there as a reminder for you to can say very close to me and keeping your eyes on me, Paul. Why? Because God's spirit is with you. Always teaching us his, God's truth, always strengthening us, always interceding for us, always there to help and discern what we need to do or not do between truth and error, what road we should take in regards to the situation. Always there to develop that Christ-like nature, that character within our life. This is what God's sufficient resources and grace can do in and through a person's life. And God's word my brothers and sisters, God's word is completely sufficient to change you. I hope you're writing that down. God's word is completely sufficient to change you. That, why do you think we emphasize the reading of the word of God? Studying the word of God, talking about the word of God. When we gather together, we want the word of God as part of our fellowship and our time. Because we know as we share the truths that God's in sharing in your life and you share with others, that's how God can help someone else that comes across your path that God has allowed. Because it's his wisdom that we want, not the world's. Anytime you rely upon the world or on your own understandings of things, it's foolishness, the scripture says. Absolute foolishness. When you look and rely upon your own strength to do what God's called you to do or living this life, it's absolutely ineffective in your life when you try to do it in your own strength. But when you have God's wisdom, when God is giving you wisdom, it's empowering, it's strengthening, it's sufficient. It overcomes every circumstance that you're allowed to be facing. And that's God's purpose. 
That is God's focus. That is God's plan in your life is to continue to do this work and that we must stay focused to focus on the fact that we know we need to change and continue to change and be, continue to be molded and shaped by the potter's hands. And are we going to let him and allow him in the, without being so stiff-necked or is like the clay so dry and hard that you don't want to change from what you already have? But God says, I want to do a new work in you. I want to turn you into a vessel that I have designed based on my plan for your life that can be poured out exactly for the purpose that I have for you. So you can change. You can change biblically because God's divine power is available to you. You can change biblically because God gives you a different purpose for living than you had before you got saved. You can change biblically because of the fact that if you, by obeying the word of God, if you're obeying the biblical directives and promises of things given to accomplish this change that God wants to do in your life. But you have to be obedient. You can't just be doers of the word or just be hearers of the word. You must be doers of the word. That's why I said James chapter 1 is a tr tremendous, tremendous book. But go back and read verses 22 through 25, I believe it is. Go back. We're not to be just doers of the world, we Not to be doers of the world, but or just hearers of the world. How does that go now? I'm drawing a blank here. Be doers of the world, not just hearers of the world, right? It's so important that we understand that and we do that because so many times we deceive ourselves by just listening and thinking that's all we have to do is show up and just listen. No, you have to show up and listen and then say, Lord, how does that apply to my life? Change me, show me. I want to be obedient to whatever you're showing me. That's the right attitude. That's the right mindset that you and I must have as we continue because that process of biblical change, again, ends when you and I enter into eternal fellowship with Jesus Christ. And we must understand that and continue. Even in this present day, we must understand with the anticipation of eternal fellowship. It starts now on this earth, right now, keeping our hearts and mind established and ready and clear with our biblical pattern of life that with the great anticipation of his glorious appearing to come back and take us. That's why we sing, soon and very soon, right? Because I want you not to forget that any moment our Lord can come back for you. And for the church as a whole. And that's why we must be very careful how we walk. As if you're on a journey, yes. Are you on a discipleship journey following our Lord? Or are you following your own ways or this world? You must make the most of your time. Don't waste your time on the things that have no eternal value that do not please your Father. And we must not only do that for ourselves, but we must encourage our brothers and sisters, right? Everyone needs encouragement. And there's times when you're just so walking with the Lord and on fire with the Lord and so excited what God's doing. That needs to be, that, you, you, 
you, that wood, you, you're on fire. You need to get over there with some, that little bundle of little click over there that's not on fire and be part and get it, some flames going there because they need to get on fire because they're just, they're just wet wood. They need to dry out and they need to get to be caught in that fire and that flame that you, the Spirit is moving in, in your life. And so you need to encourage others and comfort those with the hope of His coming. Comfort them with the hope that you have. Amen?